Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Lisa, for our scripture lesson this morning and for the worship band that does an awesome job every Sunday. But, hey, got to rocking this morning. It was good. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. <clears throat> we are so blessed with the talent that is shared in the life of our church. and We're so thankful for those willing to do that for us every Sunday. As we have heard God's word read to us, now we seek its meaning for our life today. So let's ask God's Holy Spirit to guide us in a moment of prayer. Gracious God, we come before you as your people in need of instruction, in need of light in the midst of our darkness. God, we know there are some here today who are dealing with grief over loss of loved ones. We especially pray for those members of our church who have recently <clears throat> made that journey in the process of that journey of grief. There are those among us um, who have friends and family, um, perhaps individuals here who have heard the news of Georgia Pacific and fear of loss of jobs and what the future holds. And, and there's so many things, God, that we could begin to name around us that would distract us from our focus on you, would cause us to be filled with fear and doubt. And we just ask, God, for your Holy Spirit to pierce through all of that with your hope, your promise, your assurance that you are with us and that you love us and that you're going to see us through whatever we're facing. I ask, God, that you now open our minds and our hearts to hear your word. I humbly offer myself to be able to proclaim that word in a way that brings glory to you. And may you open our lives to being filled with that word in a way that it transforms us and helps us to live as you call us to live. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. <clears throat> well, if you're a football fan... You've been in football heaven these last few weeks. As we're, this is the time of year when you have bowl games and you have the, uh, the playoff games. And, of course, we've got a real big playoff game coming this afternoon. <laughs> I'm sure you get ready for it. I'll let you out on time for that at your parties. And, uh, <clears throat> and if, you, if you're not an Alabama fan, you were probably in heaven last uh, Monday <clears throat> when uh, we had that little uh, championship game that took place. And, so, but you know, regardless of whether you uh, are a football fan or not, if you've ever watched a football fan or football game, 
you've noticed that between almost every play, there is this fury of activity going on between the uh, sidelines and the playing field where players are running onto the field and some players running off the field. And, of course, you know what's going on there. They're making substitutions. Uh, most teams don't rely on just one um, running back and one uh, linebacker and uh, one wide receiver. And they actually have two or three of these people in these positions, and they switch them in and out of the game, uh, depending on what kind of play they're running or uh, what's going on, or just to give them a breather once in a while. They do this. But, you know, there's one substitution that, that most teams hardly ever make. In fact, it's one that most teams never make unless they just <clears throat> have to make that kind of substitution with this player. <clears throat> That's called the quarterback, right? Uh, you can win a game with two or three uh, wide receivers or running backs, uh, but you, to be most effective, at least in the offense, uh, you really need just one and only one quarterback who is at the helm of the team. Now, there have been some teams in the past who have tried this two-quarterback uh, ideology or <laughs> using two quarterbacks in systems, and uh, we're, we're familiar with that here in Louisiana. But it's really never worked, at least not consistently over the long term, uh, it's, at least not in this modern football era that we live in today. But that's because the quarterback is really the leader of the team on the field, and the team needs one leader. It's the same if it comes to head coaches. You know, you really don't want to have two head coaches on the same team that are uh, doing their own individual plays. <laughs> so it turn into chaos pretty quickly there because the team needs one leader. And I think it's the same when it comes to our personal life and especially our spiritual life. If you want your life to be cohesive, if you want your life to uh, make sense and to accomplish worthwhile things in life, you really need to have one leader. Or, to put it biblically, you need to have one master. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture that we have before us today, I believe. He tells the people in his audience, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, Jesus obviously is talking about money here. But the principle that he uses here is not just applicable to money. Uh, money isn't the only competing master for our lives. There are many things that compete for our lives, although money for most of us is right up there at the top of the list. But there are many things that compete to be master of our lives. For some of the people, that could be an addictive behavior that is the master of their life. For some, it's, it's sex. For some, it's, it's power or, or prestige or status in the world. For some, it's the desire for more, trying to get more out of life, to accumulate more. For others, it's this self-centeredness, uh, living for me and for me only. There are many things that compete to be the master of our lives. But the reality is that you really can't serve two masters in this life, at least not and live successfully. Yet that seems to be the way we tend to want to try to live, isn't it? I experienced this early on in my own life. When I was going to seminary, I not only had two masters, I actually had three. There was a school that I was attending at that time, and, and we, uh, the school you know, it expected me to cre create a certain GPA average to be able to stay there. I had to go to classes. I had to do the assignments and stuff. It took a lot of my time. But there was also my job. I was serving as a student pastor at a local church, and they expected me to be there on Sundays, and they expected me to minister to the needs that were there. And then there was also my family who needed me as well. And, of course, I would want to be with my family, but there were these two other masters that were demanding my attention. And 
there were times when the um, seminary would say to me, look, Ricky, you've got to decide which is most important, being a student or serving as a pastor in a church. And they didn't even include my family in that mix. <laughs> they didn't even acknowledge that. And it was during those days that I really learned the true meaning of loving one and despising the other that Jesus talks about. And I think we've all been there. That tension doesn't change as we journey through life, does it? Always it's something else. It's hard to serve a multiplicity of different masters, yet that doesn't keep us from trying to do so. However, you can never become the person that God created you to be as long as you're spending your life trying to satisfy two or more masters. I'm talking specifically today about our relationship with God. Uh, For those of us who have been toying with this idea of trying to live this two-master lifestyle or or this Jesus and something else or Jesus and somebody else lifestyle, today's sermon is meant to challenge you, to encourage you, to put aside that, you know, one, two, three, or fourth would-be master and instead focus on this one-master lifestyle that Jesus is talking about. As we begin the new year, beginning a new series of sermons today that's entitled Focused Living. And the aim of this series is to try to help us to discover the power of intentional living, of focused living. Because when you think about it, there's really some things in life that you only get one of. You only get one shot at. Uh, For example, we only get one shot at this life that we have to live. We can only get one opportunity or one chance. There are no repeats. You can't go back to the crib and go back and live it all over again. Uh, We only have one opportunity to live the life that you've been given. So we need to live this life that we've been given here on earth with, with focus, intentional focus, having one objective, having one primary focus in our life and one primary purpose, that of honoring and serving the God who gave us this life so that we might be able to spend all of eternity with him. And in order to do that, you have to serve one master and one master only. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this and uh, talking about some of the things that we need to uh, have, that require our focus attention. And today is one of those biggies, because we're talking about whatever it is that is in competition with Jesus being the Lord of your life. As I said, that could be money, as Jesus talks about. It um, could be many other things. Uh, Jesus gives us this example of money, and he gives us some principles here about how we should deal with money when it becomes a distracting force in our lives. But you can apply these principles to whatever it is that is becoming between you and a life of pure commitment to Christ. If you want to live this one master life that Jesus is calling us to, and you're finding yourself struggling with all these other things that are vying for your attention and vying to be in charge of your life, then I'm going to share with you three things that I believe that we have to do. These are must-dos if we want to put Jesus at the top of that list and to keep him there in our lives as top priority. And I just hasten to say that, you know, these are not, this is not a one-time decision. This is not like a New Year's resolution that you make in the flurry of emotions and then you forget about it quickly. This is something you have to make a daily pursuit of to commit yourself to on a daily basis. And the first thing that you have to do in order to maintain a one-master lifestyle is to pave the path 
for your heart to follow. Pave a path for your heart to follow. In verse 19, Jesus said it this way. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is making the point here that your heart tends to follow the direction of your money. And likewise, your money tends to follow the direction of your heart. Those two things go together. And if money is your competing master, if greed is your God, then Jesus says the best way to move your heart in the right direction is to focus on giving as opposed to getting more of it. In other words, if money is in the way of enabling you to completely surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ, then you have to loosen your grip on money so that money can loosen its grip on you. You see the principle that he's giving? Well, that same principle applies to whatever it is that is, that is co- competing for the lordship of your life. Uh, every day you have to try to pave the path for your heart to follow Jesus. As Jesus says, you have to seek to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. For example, if the obstacle that you're struggling with in your life, competing for that uh, ultimate place of lordship in your life, is an unhealthy or an inappropriate attitude toward money or toward power or sex or whatever, then you have to move away from whatever is feeding that appetite. And you have to move towards something that is more holy, more Christ-like, a better, something that's better than that. If the obstacle that you're struggling with is some kind of addictive behavior, then you have to move away from whatever is feeding that uh, obsession that you have or that, uh, that, that issue that you're dealing with, and you have to move away from that towards something that's better, something more holy, what God would want you to be a part of. Investing your money in ministries and programs that are of eternal value, now, those are ways to move your heart more in the right direction. Investing uh, your time and your energy and your attention into ministries that are serving others and honoring God, those are ways that you can move your heart in the right direction. If you want to live this one master lifestyle, then you have to take steps toward loosening the grip of that master that's competing uh, against that. And you have to pave the path every day that your heart can follow a path that Jesus is calling you to. The second key that I think that we have to do in order to have this um, one master lifestyle is to pave a path for our minds to follow. In verse 25, Jesus talks about how we tend to worry about various things, especially those things that we would call the basics of life and uh, the comforts of life. And Jesus says you really shouldn't be worrying about those things. I I love how these verses are phrased in the King James Version. It it says it this way, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink. In verse 31, it says it again, Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? And here Jesus is making the, the statement that there's a strong correlation between what we think and what we do, what we say. Uh, You see, the more that you think about something, the more that you're going to talk about it. And the more that you talk about it, uh, the more you're going to think about it. And and pretty soon this attitude, and for Jesus it was a lack of trust in God's care for you. 
that attitude is begin to completely dominate your mindset and your behavior. Jesus points out that one of those things that hinders this ability to to make Jesus the Lord of your life is this the thoughts to get in your mind in the back of your mind about how maybe just maybe I can't depend on God for everything. Maybe just maybe God's going to let me down when I need him the most. In verse 32, Jesus said about all these worries and these anxieties we have in life, he says, these are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So if there's, there's something or someone competing for that position of the lordship of your life, uh, their greatest stronghold is going to be the, in the area of your thoughts. Uh, this is where they or, or the devil takes root in and is able to get in the way of your devotion to Jesus Christ by getting in the way of how you think. If money could talk, if it could place thoughts in your head, it would certainly say you need me more than you need God. If that addictive behavior you're struggling with could talk, it would certainly say you need me more than you need God. That's what every distracting influence would say to us. What will God really do for you? What about the basics of life? What about the comforts of life? Can you really depend on God? Well, if if you want to live this one mastered life, then you have to pave a path every day for your mind to follow. You have to decide that there are certain thoughts that I will just not entertain. I will not dwell on my doubts. I will not dwell on my fears. I will take no thought of them. Not today, Satan. With the help of God's Holy Spirit, when we stop thinking about all these things that are going wrong in our life and all these things that could possibly go wrong, and you start focusing on the goodness of God, God's love for you, God's forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, his plan for your life, then that allows your mind to go to a new place, a place where there's light and hope and new possibilities, peace. As Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and it's righteousness, and all these things you worry about, they'll all be taken care of. So if you want to live a one-mastered lifestyle, you have to put Jesus at the top of your what-do-I-think-about list. (laughs) Uh, Daily, you have to pave a path for your mind to follow. And then finally, we have to make today our priority in life. We all have this tendency to try to dwell in two places where we don't belong. One of those places is the past. Either because we believe that it was so good or we believe that it was so bad that we just can't let go of it. The other place is the future, where we have convinced ourselves that in the future all of my dreams are going to come true. Or we become so obsessed with the doom and gloom that we feel certain that the worst is yet to come that we can't let go of our thinking about the future. Either way, whether it's the future or the past, whether we think it's going to be good or whether we think it's going to be bad, both places prevent you from focusing on what you need to be focusing on the most, and that is today, here, and now, the moment that we have before us. In verse 34, Jesus said it this way. He said, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will will worry about it for itself. Each day has enough trouble 
of its own. Jesus, I think, tries to make it clear here that this one master life that he calls us to really has nothing to do about the past. It has nothing to do about the future as much as it has to do about today, the moments that we've been given in this very day. A lot of people live with the good intentions that someday, eventually, I will be fully committed to what I know is true and what I know is right. Just not yet. Got some other things I got to hold on to. Some other masters that are buying my attention. And so they wonder why money continues to get in the way of their life. Or they wonder why compulsive behaviors tend to get in the way. Or toxic relationships get in the way. It's because you can't live a one master life. You can't live that mastered life in the past. You can't live it in the future. You have to live it today. Every time I conduct a funeral in the church, and we've had far too many of those here recently in the life of our church, but every time I do, it's a stark reminder of just how precious today really is, the moments that we have with one another. So Jesus is making the point, you have to make today your priority. Allow him to be the master of your life today. So some otherwise brilliant football coaches have um, sabotaged their career with the idea that they could win in a two-quarterback system of coaching. But the truth is that's never been the case, at least not consistently. Uh, It's just the nature of the game. One team, one quarterback, one leader. And I think, likewise, there have been many Christians who have sabotaged their success in life. By trying to live with this Jesus and something else, or Jesus and someone else kind of lifestyle. The problem is it never works. I mean, at some point, Jesus is going to call you in a direction, a direction that leads to life and leads to purpose and fulfillment And these other masters are going to be calling you in a different direction. It's going to lead you, in the end, to nowhere good. It's impossible for us to move in two directions at once. And so the challenge before you today is to answer the call that Jesus puts before you. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. Decide who is going to be the Lord of your life. Pave a path for your heart and for your mind to follow Jesus as the Lord of your life and your master. Decide and seek to live today as if it matters the most, because it really does. Let's pray. Lord God, as we hear your word, it is a timeless word, God. You spoke it long ago, but we realize how relevant it is for our lives because we realize we too have been struggling with trying to satisfy many masters. Forgive us, God. Please help us to hear your call to follow you, to put you first in our lives because you're never going to lead us in a wrong direction. And you have a path that leads us to life and to hope, and to light, and to peace, and purpose. God, you know the things that we're struggling with here in this room, each one of us. You know us better than you, we know ourselves. 
So speak to us where we need to be spoken to, Lord. Call us, move us, help us to surrender our lives to you as the Lord of our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.